3: Welcome to the Todd Starn Show, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There's never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com.
2: Live from the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee... It's America's conservative blowtorch. That's
4: us. That's right. I love
0: this American
3: ride. Todd Starnes. Oh, yeah. I don't know what's going on today. Uh, hello, everybody. and Welcome to the Todd Starnes Extravaganza. Well, at least that's what we're shooting for. Uh, we'll take just not getting thrown off the air. Uh, so great to have you with us, everybody. Wow. I... Dieter, I think Dieter slipped something into the into my community coffee uh, before I came into the studio. I'm feeling a little, I don't dare I say giddy today, ladies and gentlemen. So we're excited to have you with us. Uh, a lot going on today, by the way. Uh, coming up on the Newsmax TV show, um, we're going to be talking to Congressman Jim Jordan, and uh, he's got some uh, some crazy intel into this FBI targeting of of Catholics. So, we're going to get to that. Also, underway up on Capitol Hill, Republicans holding a series of press conferences um, involving Jewish students at uh, various universities. And, folks, it is the anti Semitism is just incredibly damning. And I know it may be hard for maybe some of you to understand what these kids are dealing with, but let me, let me just lay this out for you. Imagine for a moment that you're a little Baptist child. Is going off to school at the University of Pennsylvania, and your little Baptist child is um, is, uh, is in her dorm room, or maybe she's going to the maybe she's going to the library, and all of a sudden a mob shows up, chanting "death to Baptist," and starts lobbing fire grenades or you know smoke grenades in your general your daughter's general direction. You would be enraged, right? I would think you would be. Your daughter would be terrified. I would think that she would be. So that's what the poor Jewish kids are having to deal with at these universities. We're going to get into that, and we have some really compelling interviews that were just held, uh, eyewitness accounts of what's been happening not only at the University of Pennsylvania but also NYU. I I want to start with this uh, crazy story. It is a Todd Stern Show exclusive. And it involves a, an 11-year-old girl from Jefferson County, Colorado. And this little girl goes to a public school, and they were having a big class trip. So they were taking all of the fifth graders to Washington, D.C. And so it was, uh, it was sort of a multiple overnight uh, field trip for the, for the school. And uh, the the little urchins were um were very excited of course you know you you get to hang out with your friends and you get to go to an exotic place like Washington DC and maybe you get to ride I don't know if they drove or flew on an airplane but anyway this little girl was assigned a room and in this room she was told by the screwl that she would have to sleep in the same bed with a, another classmate who she thought was a girl but it turns out that she was not a girl she was a boy who identified as a girl so she was a he and this little 11 year old was freaking out we're talking about fifth grade here and so the little girl was horrified that she was literally and it wasn't about sharing just a room it was sharing a bed in the room with a little boy who thinks he's a girl Now, this child was so horrified that she locked herself in the hotel closet or the the bathroom, and she called her parents. By the way, mom and dad were not notified. They were not given advance warning. It just so happened that the little girl's mother was also a chaperone on the trip, and that really prevented something even worse from happening. So I had a chance to sit down and speak with Kate Anderson Kate is the, um, the the attorney now representing this family out of Colorado. Kate, by the way, is with Elias Defending Freedom. Now, before we play the, the interview, I just want to ask you a question. What would you do if that was your child? What would you do if the school made your daughter sleep in a bed next to a boy and they didn't even bother to tell you about it? What would you do, ladies and gentlemen? Our telephone number is 901-260-5926. That's 901-260-5926. Let's take a listen to Kate Anderson. Uh, Tell us what's happening there in Jefferson County, Colorado.
5: Thank you for having me on the show. Well, ADF sent a letter today to Jefferson County School Districts on behalf of our clients, uh, Joe and Serena Wales, parents in Jefferson County, who their daughter, 11 years old, uh, just graduated from fifth grade, was on an overnight trip to Philadelphia and D.C. and found out uh, the first evening that she was set to share a bed with a boy student who identifies as transgender. She had not been told ahead of time. Her parents had not been told ahead of time, and so she ended up calling her parents while hiding in the bathroom in the hotel room to try to figure out what to do with this situation. A situation was, that was entirely avoidable if Jefferson County had just let parents know about their policy ahead of time.
3: This is shocking on a number of levels. Uh, let, let's unpack this. First of all, you're saying literally sharing a, a bed. That would have been terrifying for that little girl.
5: Yes, and she got along with the student very well. They had spent a lot of time together that day. They uh, did for the rest of the trip, but she was uncomfortable, as one would imagine, with the idea of spending the night in the same bed as a biological boy, and it was the student who told her uh, that he identified as transgender and was biologically male. Um, The school district, after several different requests to her chaperones that night, did end up moving uh, the student and another girl to another room so that she was in a room with just another girl. Uh, but had to navigate that uh, largely on her own, um, a long way away from uh, her dad. Her mom was on the trip with her.
3: I have to imagine the the parents must have been horrified to get that call Mm -hmm. from their daughter in a bathroom.
5: Yeah, she was hiding in the hotel bathroom, which uh, she told me did not lock. Um, and she wanted to try to figure out what to do. She didn't want to make waves, but she was worried about her own privacy and obviously very uncomfortable and distressed with the idea of spending the night with a biological boy in the same bed. Um, and when the whales got home, they found out this was actually district policy to room students on overnight trips, all overnight trips based on their gender identity and not to tell all parents about this. So that's why we sent this demand letter. We we want to ensure transparency over that policy and that the school district lets parents know so that they can make the best decision for their kids so that no other little girls end up in this situation.
3: So, so let's talk about what the law says here. And ADF, uh, you guys have been very successful uh, winning cases at the Supreme Court. What does the law say? What rights do parents have when it comes to these overnight trips?
5: Well, parents absolutely have the constitutional right to direct the upbringing and education of their kids, and that includes getting basic information from their schools. Every parent should be concerned when a school district hides information, uh, and parents need to be able to protect their kids' privacy, to be able to help work with their kids and their school to make the best decision for their individual child when a child's going on an overnight trip.
3: And I have to imagine, this Look, uh, and again, this is not about the transgender child here. This is about parents having the right to know and being, being able to make those decisions and not the school district.
5: It's about every child's privacy and every parent's ability to get the information and make the best decision for their child, no matter how that child identifies. And the parents sign tons of paperwork anytime their kid goes on an overnight trip. So somewhere in that paperwork, it would be very easy for Jefferson County to provide this information to parents and let them know so they can make the best decision and opt out of a policy like this if they need to.
3: Well, I good for you guys here. I, I know you've sent the letter So if they do not respond or if they say, hey, look, this is our school policy, nothing you can do about it, what's the next step for ADF?
5: Well, we will certainly contemplate litigation if we need to, but we're very hopeful that we can work through this with Jefferson County. It's an easy fix to make sure that all parents have the information and can make the best decisions for their kids, and it's best for all students. So we're hopeful that they will agree and clarify their policy right away.
3: Wow. And, and the little girl involved here, I'm, that has to be a traumatic thing anyway. Even though nothing happened in, the, uh, in that room, uh, still, you know, the classmates, you know, you know how kids are at that age.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah, very difficult for her to have to advocate for herself. And she actually had to ask a couple of times because the first suggested solution was just to move her to the other bed in the room. And she had to continue to advocate for herself. She has two younger siblings that are set to go on this same trip. So there's urgency for the whales um, to make sure that the same thing doesn't happen to their two younger children.
3: All right. Well, good stuff. Okay. We we're glad you guys are on the case. Uh, keep us updated here, and this is something I think every parent in America uh is going to be paying very close attention to. I hope so. Thank you so much. All right, folks. There you go. Um this is the reality, and we appreciate Kate um sitting down with us for a few minutes so that we could get the lowdown on this very disturbing case. Had it not been for that little girl and she knew That 11-year-old child, she knew what the school wanted her to do was wrong. She knew, and she said something. And that says a lot about her mom and dad, because clearly they have raised their daughter right. They've raised her to know these kinds of things are just not appropriate. So good for you, mom and dad. And I, I do wonder, though, how many other schools have similar policies where you've got the transgender kids shacking up with the little girls. 901-260-5926 901 260 5926 is our telephone number. That's 901 260 5926. This is the Todd Starnes Show. Legacy Precious Metals has a revolutionary new online platform that allows you to invest in real gold and silver online. Hi, this is Todd Starnes. And in just a few easy steps, you can open an account online, select your metals of choice, and choose to have them stored in a vault or ship to your door. You'll have access to a dashboard where you can track your portfolio growth in real time, anytime. And you'll see transparent pricing on every coin and bar. This puts you in complete control of your money. The platform is free to sign up for. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com and open your account and see this new investing platform for yourself. Gold hedges against inflation and against a volatile stock market. A true diversified portfolio isn't just more stocks and bonds, but different asset classes. And this new platform allows you to make investments in gold and silver, no matter how small or large, with a few clicks. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com to get started. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com or call 866-649-0304. That number again, 866-649-0304 and start investing today. Welcome back to the Todd Stearns Radio Show. Happy to have you with us today. Coming up a little bit later on, we're going to be talking with Jim Jordan. And by the way, the Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government has uncovered some pretty shocking, shocking information. Uh, The story is up at ToddStearns.com for you to read. But the FBI, by the way, their final report is out on this FBI plot to infiltrate Catholic parishes across the nation. Now, we originally thought it was just isolated to the Richmond, Virginia area, where our good buddy Jeff Katz anchors his great talk show, our great affiliate WRVA. The 30-page report uh, was released late yesterday, and it is a startling reminder that American civil liberties – and core constitutional rights must be vigorously guarded against government overreach. And in this case, it was insane. The report discovered that the FBI singled out Americans who are pro-life, pro-family, and support the biological basis for sex and gender, and they identified those Catholics as potential domestic terrorists. So, in other words, the biggest threat in America, not the Muslims flying jetliners into buildings, the greatest threat to America, according to the FBI, all you Catholics out there. New information, the FBI went so far as to interview a priest and a parish choir director. Uh, This was all part of an anti-Catholic memorandum. The House investigators determined the FBI saw an opportunity to insert undercover agents and operatives inside Catholic parishes. And by the way, had it not been for an FBI whistleblower here, we would have never known anything about this. Nothing at all. As Senator Marsha Blackburn calling it an outrageous attack on religious liberty. And here's, here's my concern. If that's what they're doing to the Catholics, What are they doing to the Protestants? What are they doing to all of us evangelicals? How many lists are we on right now? That's what I want to know. But again, ladies and gentlemen, this is why yours truly has been a fierce supporter of this this call to defund and dismantle the FBI. What we are looking at right now cannot be saved. The FBI as we know it cannot be saved. It needs to be defunded. It needs to be dismantled. Otherwise, they're going to keep spying on the American people. I'm just telling you, it's really that bad out there. But beyond that, the FBI is also targeting the pro-life community at large. And that does impact a lot of non-Catholics. And many of you people are actually on those lists. Oh, by the way, before we, uh, we've got some time here. I want to play some audio. Um, this is from Senator, former Senator, former Secretary of State John Kerry. Uh, Mr. Kerry, are we calling him Secretary Kerry or Senator Secretary Kerry? Was on a panel, and they were discussing the great threats to the environment. And I want you to listen very closely, Ben Dieter. You you have uh, ear, you have great earlobes. So I want you. I want you to listen very closely to this and see if you hear what I hear on this. Roger that. All right. Very good. Let's take a listen to cut seven.
6: And the reality is that we're not doing it. So um, you know, the measure here is is really uh, sounding the alarm bell. I find myself getting more and more militant because I do not understand how adults who are in position of responsibility can be avoiding responsibility for taking away those things that are killing people on a daily basis. Oh. And and the reality is that um, the climate crisis and the health crisis are one and the same.
3: I'm, <laughs> did, did, you just, did, did someone just pass gas? Is that a fart, Todd? It, it sounded as if someone passed gas. And, and by the way, the video... There, there are three people in the video. There's an older gentleman who couldn't hear anything, and then there was John Kerry who was uh, bloviating, and then there was a female who clearly wanted to chuckle <laughs> but could not chuckle. So that tells me that either the old dude or John Kerry just blew a hole in the ozone. <laughs> Lord. I'm telling. You, I know they're after the cows, but from what I understand, the rumors are that Senator Kerry, it's um he is a pungent man. Mm. I think that's the appropriate word to use. So there you go folks, uh, John Kerry passing gas during a climate change panel. <laughs> you can't make this You just can't make this stuff up, can you? All right, 901-260-5926 is our telephone number. That's 901-260-5926. I want to um play some audio here. This is a um uh, this is a student at NYU. Her name is Bella Ingber. And she's describing to house republicans what she has to live with every single day as a Jew. Cut number 12.
7: Being a Jew at NYU is walking to class and passing torn and defaced posters of innocent hostages with the words occupier and murderer written across their faces. It is going to Boeuf's library to study and being interrupted by unauthorized protests where students and faculty call for a globalized intifada revolution, an incitement to violence against Jews everywhere, and a call for the annihilation of the Jewish state and my friends and family who live there. Being a Jew at NYU is being surrounded by students and faculty who support the murder and kidnapping of Jews because after all, as they say, resistance is justified when people are occupied. It is being surrounded by social justice warriors and self-proclaimed feminists whose calls for justice end abruptly when the rape victims are Jews. Being a Jew at NYU has meant being physically assaulted in NYU's library by a fellow student while I was wearing an American-Israeli flag and having my attacker still roam freely throughout the campus. Being a Jew at NYU is experiencing how diversity, equity, and inclusion is not a value that NYU extends to its Jewish students. Since October 7th, the unmistakable anti-Semitism that I've experienced on campus is reminiscent of the Jew hatred I've heard about from my grandparents, Holocaust survivors, who experienced firsthand the deafening silence of their neighbors in Poland and Germany when the Nazis first rose to power.
3: All right, there you go. That's what it's like to be a, a young Jew in America. What do you say to that, ladies and gentlemen? 901-260-5926. This is the Todd Stern Show. MyPillow is celebrating its 20-year anniversary with over 80 million MyPillows sold. Mike Lindell at MyPillow wants to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in the history of MyPillow. You're going to get their queen-size MyPillow for $19.98, regular price $69.98, and just $10 more, you're going to be able to get a king-size pillow. You're going to receive deep discounts on all MyPillow products like bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, MySlippers, and so much more. This is the time to try out some of their other Amazing products you've had your eye on. Go to slash starns. That's slash starns. Use the promo code starns to get this amazing offer of the queen size MyPello for nineteen ninety eight. or call 1 800 839 8506. The offer comes with a 10 year warranty and a 60 day money back guarantee. That's slash starns. Use the promo code starns or call 800 839 8506. Promo code starns. All right, folks, so welcome back to the Todd Stearns Radio Program. I have just been handed some rather disturbing news. Ben Dieter, um, were you able to follow through on my instructions during the commercial break?
8: I always do,
3: and Simon we ha- says. We have the individual on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line. That's correct. My executive producer, Grace Baker. Grace Baker, you are on the Todd Stearns Radio Show.
9: I can't say I was not surprised when I got the call from Ben and he said, you're going on the air now. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm not sure what to make. I'm
3: not sure what to make of this. Our friend, Mary Walter, just, uh, we understand there's a big promo. She's making a big deal about that. It's a tell all exclusive. (laughs) Mary Walter is interviewing Grace Baker today on her podcast.
9: I am so excited to join Mary tonight. She extended the invite. She said, you know, she wanted to know some of the ins and outs of me working for the Todd Starn Show. And I was like, Of course, I would she, love to join. She wants the dirt. And talk about all the fun. No, she, she wants the not dirt. Want that. It will not be like that. It will be like talking about my day to day duties, I'm sure. And I told her I would love to talk about like pop culture. Maybe we talk a little Taylor Swift because I know she does not like Taylor Swift, Todd. And,
3: I didn't know that.
9: Whatever else under the sun. Wow. Did she and I Taylor have agree.
3: an issue back in the day?
9: I don't know. I'm going to ask her about it, but apparently, I can take live audience questions, which is definitely a little intimidating. Oh wow! So, do you have any tips for me?
3: Um, yeah, well, no. It, look, that's the fun part about it. That's why we take calls on this program. Is you never know who's going to call in. You never know where the conversation is going to go, and it, you know it's, it. It makes for fun radio.
9: And you know, I know Mary, so it's just like talking to a friend. So it'll be a good time. So I'm really excited All Tonight right. It,
3: so tonight this is Eastern. This is live, right? 7:15 yes! Eastern.
9: Live. Live on you know on via Zoom be about an hour she said. It'll be a fun time. I've never done I told her I'm used to doing like in college and stuff I interviewed people. I'm used to call screening. I'm used to commenting with you on air but I've never been interviewed before.
3: Wow, this I'm is I'm always on the other end of it. All right, this is good. So we got the NDA signed, so a non-disclosure agreement. So all <laughs> right, we're good to go here, I think. No, this is look, this is exciting. This is exciting. So very good. Um and so you'll be and you'll be doing this from your from the Chicago area.
9: Yes, and where we got snow this morning, if you can believe that. Is that right? Wow. Crazy. Wow. I woke up to like a winter wonderland.
3: Fascinating. All right. Well, Grace Baker, tonight, 7 o'clock or 7 15 Eastern on Mary Walter Radio. Thanks for having me on, Todd. What a mm. pleasant surprise. Tell Merlot, we said, how's the dog? How's Merlot?
9: Oh, she's good. And, you know, she doesn't mind the snow. And I was going to say, I'm sure I will talk about Merlot on tonight's podcast. I love agility classes. so
3: Agility. I need to take one of those. <laughs> All right, Grace, we will be listening. Thanks, Todd. All right. Grace Baker, the executive producer of the Todd Stearns Radio Show. Dieter, what do you think she's going to say? I mean, if
8: if Grace is great at giving two answers. I know her as a friend, and I also know her as a publicist for you. She could either give the honest answer, the authentic, what it's like working for Todd, the man, the myth, the legend, or give the PR answer. Wait, what? Which is that you're the best thing since sliced bread. Well, this is true.
3: And and I'm not talking about that whole wheat stuff with the nuts on top. I'm talking about white bread. That's what I'm talking about. A lot of butter on top. Oh, you better believe it. All right. Well, I am I am excited about this. This this ought to be a lot of fun. 7:15 Eastern, the Mary Walter uh, Radio Show. All right. Uh, I want to go back to to what's happening up on Capitol Hill, where lawmakers are grilling these university presidents, and there is no doubt. Um, a lot of anti-Semitism that has infested public and private university campuses. Now, here's my take. If, if you are going to tolerate anti-Semitism, if you are going to tolerate anti-Christian behavior on your campus, I say no more federal tax dollars for you. That's what I say. No more federal tax dollars, Period. Do you think that is a fair punishment to all of these universities that refuse to a, to address this anti-Semitism? 901-260-5926. That's 901-260-5926. Now, you heard before the break, this young lady, her name is Bella Ingber. There was a young man who um, also spoke. His name is Eyal Yakobi. He is a student at the University of Pennsylvania. And I want you to listen to what happened to this young man. It is absolutely unacceptable. And by the way, this happened over the weekend, Cut 13.
10: Well, I am both honored and thankful to be here. I should not be here today. I should be studying for my upcoming finals. I should be taking in every moment, every experience as an undergraduate student in my senior year of college. So while I should not be here today, I am. Because 36 hours ago, I, along with most of campus, sought refuge in our rooms, as classmates and professors chanted proudly for the genocide of Jews while igniting smoke bombs and defacing school property. The neighboring university's president immediately released a statement describing this as a brazen display of anti-Semitism. He went on saying, Silence in the face of last night's demonstration of anti-Semitism and hate near our doorstep is not an option for me. Well, the doorstep of the neighboring university is in fact Penn. And in fact, Penn's president did choose silence. The neighboring university's president swiftly denounced the incident, and yet our president cannot. Because the glorious October 7th, And you're a dirty little Jew, you deserve to die. A word said not by Hamas, but by my classmates and professors. And because despite all of this, I am adamant and hopeful that we will not accept, least of all embrace, this horrific new normal on college campuses today. On October 7th, Israel was attacked. Since October 7th, American Jews have been under attack. My name is Ayal Yacobi. And I am a proud American studying at the University of Pennsylvania. I love Penn. I've wanted to attend this university since before I can remember. I'm here because the Penn I attend today is unrecognizable from the Penn I once used to know. Penn, once renowned for groundbreaking discoveries like the mRNA vaccine, is now a chilling landscape of hatred and hostility. Our university, revered for its pursuit of knowledge, has devolved into an arena where Jewish students tiptoe through their days, uncertain and unsafe. The situation at Penn has escalated into a full-blown crisis, with students openly asserting their intentions to proceed with plans with or without university permission. During COVID, strict guidelines governed everything from class attendance and graduation walks, Yet now, when students and faculty defy policies to intimidate Jewish students, where is the same resolute enforcement? For the past three weeks inside Houston Hall, our student center, an anti-Semitic headquarters has been erected, with signs spreading Hamas propaganda. The organizers, both pen-affiliated and not, were initially asked to leave as they are trespassing on campus property. Well, three weeks later, they are still sleeping there, and countless Jewish students have been harassed. Yet the anti-Semitic dormitory remains. Clearly, both a disregard for school policies and permission to disregard them by a university unwilling to do anything. Not only are tensions palpable, but there have also been materialized actions taken to intimidate and harm students. A bomb threat against Hillel, a swastika spray painted, the Hillel and Chabad house is vandalized, a professor posting the armed wing of Hamas's logo on Facebook, a Jewish student accosted, Jews are Nazis etched adjacent to Penn's Jewish fraternity house. Why doesn't the university hold the perpetrators of such acts accountable? Is the university fearful that they may offend those who wish to intimidate and harass their fellow students? Penn's ambivalence fuels a crisis. That has shattered my academic sanctuary policies meant to safeguard us have become hollow promises and let us be clear if they fail jewish students today tomorrow they will fail the rest of us nonetheless i refuse to go back to 1939 when jews had to hide the religious symbols and hide who they are due to the intimidation and harassment of us i used to think this was nonsense fear-mongering until I was made aware that Penn recommended to students, quote, not wear clothing slash accessories related to Judaism. Hundreds of posters mocking the hostages featuring cows instead of humans adorned Penn's campus two weeks ago. While on my way to class, I was greeted with chalk reading 90% of pigs are gas chambered. As a student, despite what my university says, I do not feel safe. Let me be clear, I do not feel safe. Luckily, there are policies in place to protect students from the heinous acts I described. Unluckily, the university seems to have no interest in upholding those very policies. It's time for the soul of our university to reclaim its integrity. And it's time for me and my fellow classmates to stop worrying for our lives. Thank you.
3: Now, look, I don't know this young man's political affiliations at all. He's an American citizen. He is Jewish. And in this country, you are allowed to practice your faith without fear of persecution. That's, that's a promise enshrined in our founding documents. And you just heard from this young man. He is there to study. He is there to get a degree. And every single day, now the Jewish students at the University of Pennsylvania have to live in fear of being attacked, beaten, maybe even killed, simply because of who they are. So my question to you, ladies and gentlemen, is what do we do about this? How do we address this? How do we address the hordes of, of uh, pro-Hamas sympathizers, pro-terrorist sympathizers who have infested our neighborhoods, our communities? How do we deal with this? What is the proper response here? Our telephone number is 901-260-5926. That's 901 901-260- 260 5926. Now, folks, I, I know you love Newsmax and watch it all the time. I do as well. Now, just recently, Newsmax had to stop their free stream on the app. So you may be missing some of their great shows like Rob Schmidt, Eric Balding, and Greta Van Susteren. So they have now launched Newsmax Plus, and more than 150,000 people have already signed up. Newsmax Plus lets you watch the Newsmax channel on your phone or home TV. And with Newsmax Plus, you get N2, their streaming channel, plus all sorts of great documentaries and movies. Newsmax Plus uh, just launched John Voight's new series on Israel. And Newsmax Plus has the best Trump coverage of anybody out there. So, folks, I want to encourage you to get Newsmax Plus today. will not cost you a penny to start. Go to NewsmaxPlus.com for a free trial. There's no risk. NewsmaxPlus.com. That's Newsbox, NewsmaxPlus.com.
1: but i can tell you that we don't investigate people for their exercise of their constantly protected constitutionally protected religious expression I, I that particular intelligence product is something that as soon as i saw
2: it i was aghast i had it withdrawn really, you were aghast i was oh uh, really yes, and what have you done about it did you fire the people who wrote it no i had it withdrawn. have you fired anybody involved in it Senator, if you will give me a chance to answer your thats a your yes question. or a no. It's not hard. Have you fired anyone involved in the writing of that outrageous memo about which, frankly, you've repeatedly misled the public? Yes or no? The individuals involved have in that you product. Have
1: Just a minute. we not found to have engaged in any intentional or bad faith conduct, and in fact, Tiddly. in fact, Senator. A number of the individuals so the involved. No. A number of the individuals involved in writing that product in the Richmond office were themselves Catholic. So the notion oh, I see. that so they were targeting they, their own oh, faith.
2: Oh, so they is had to nonsense. get out of jail free card. I see. They, I see. So you're I immune and they're that. immune. So we shouldn't ask questions about it. You haven't done a darn thing. You haven't fired anybody. In fact, what the House found is, what is it? You you admonish them. They were admonished. And their respective supervisors were told to engage with the human resources division to ensure that deficiencies are addressed. Oh, well, I feel much better. They've been sent to bed without food. Good heavens, director. This is one of the most outrageous targetings. You have mobilized your division, the most powerful law enforcement division in the world, against traditionalist Catholics, whatever the heck that means.
3: And you're just told you you have not fired a single person. Nope, not a single person got fired, ladies and gentlemen. That, uh, that uh, interaction just happened a few moments ago up on Capitol Hill. Senator Josh Hawley calling out Christopher Ray. At the very least, those FBI agents involved should have been fired. And I don't, care. I don't care if they were ordered to do this. They need to go as well because they should have stood up and said, absolutely not, this is unconstitutional, this is against the law. But they didn't do that. They did not do that. If this had been Muslims, I guarantee you heads would have rolled. Well, in more ways than one. Uh, Let's go to the phones. 901-260-5926. Tim in New Bern, North Carolina. Hi, Tim. What's on your mind?
13: Oh, not much. Yeah. asked the question of what do you think we should do if uh, now that we're being infiltrated by these terrorist supporters and within our neighborhood, uh, I think we need to clean it up i mean you, how do, do we do it Tim. Us, how do we, first, we do that uh it, it's going to come to force brother you, they're either going to take us or we're going to have to take them now if you want to be a moss supporter and you continue to just talk and do what they do or you're gonna have to start cleaning streets.
3: can't we're do there. that my friend all right thank you very much we got to keep it family friendly ladies and gentlemen on the todd stearns radio program i know that passions are heated but uh, we, can't, uh, yeah, we can't do that on the radio. But I will say this, uh, the, the latest, where is it, Dick Durbin, and we'll get into this more in the next hour. Uh, Dick Durbin is now calling for the illegals of military age coming across the border to actually serve in the United States military, and then they get citizenship. May I just say that is the stupidest idea I've ever heard? So we are literally going to train the invading army that is already coming across our border, that has already violated our borders. We're, that's what we're going to do? Ladies and gentlemen, you do understand here that the individuals coming across of military age, I'm talking about the military age, and by and large, they're all military age young men. This is the invading army. These are the sleeper cells. And they're just waiting to be activated. And I, I truly hope, and this is one of the reasons why I believe every law-abiding American citizen ought to have a firearm, I do believe that we will be able to, to defeat these people. But they will rise up against us one day. It will happen. It's already happening across Europe. People tried to warn the British. They tried to warn the French. Nobody wanted to listen. They tried to warn the folks in Belgium. Nobody wanted to listen. And now look at what's happening. Their countries have been overrun, and there is chaos in the streets. Well, that's what's going to happen here. I hate to break it to you, but that's what's going to happen here. So the question is, what do we do about it? Are we supposed to shut down all the Jewish businesses, every Jewish business owner? They're supposed to shut down a couple of towns. You folks at WLOB, the Big Lobster in Portland, Maine, there was a big uh, Hanukkah celebration, and they said, no, we're not going to be able to have that because it might offend people. Well, offend people? Who, who would it offend? The Muslims. Okay. Well, all right. We're going to ban Christmas, too? You're going to go ahead and ban everything that's going to offend the Muslim population? Is that what we're going to do? And the answer to that question, ladies and gentlemen, is yes, that's exactly what they will do. And by the way, they're canceling these Hanukkah events all over America because they're afraid that it might offend the pro-Hamas terrorist sympathizers. That's what we're dealing with here. First Hanukkah, then Christmas. You got to watch. We watch, ladies and gentlemen. We are watchmen on the wall and proud of it. 901-260-5926. That's 901-260-5926. This is the Tom Stern Show.
2: From the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's America's favorite gun-toting, Bible-clinging, deplorable American. That's
4: us, that's right, I love
3: this American ride. Todd Starks. Oh yeah, Oh yeah. well, hello everybody. Hour two of the big show underway. By the way, our good buddy Paul had just sent over a bit. Dylan, I'll send that to you. Shanklin is very excited about whatever he sent to us, uh, so we uh, we will enjoy it uh, together. Uh, folks, a lot going on today. By the way, our telephone number, 901-260-5926. That's 901-260-5926. By the way, did you see the video of that explosion last night in Arlington, Virginia, a suburb of, of D.C.? Really nice, tony suburb, as they say highfalutin and uh, the um, this guy was uh, the the police showed up they were serving a warrant Uh, the guy was apparently firing some sort of a a flare gun and then the house just explodes as a police car is coming up coming right up to the front door of of this condo and it was just absolutely insane we have the video up at toddstarns.com anyway here is an eyewitness to uh, what
12: happened come out we don't want to hurt you and then they ended up driving the the um the swat truck through the front door with like a pile driving arm and um okay. at that point he started firing uh a weapon back i mean i, I believe it was like an ar it was a high power it was a high caliber weapon it's not a flare they shot flares at the beginning he was not shooting flares near the end uh they started returning fire with non-lethal weapon with a non-lethal uh they kept saying non-lethal non-lethal they're shooting a shotgun back into the windows blasting out the windows a little bit and then um, at that point they reversed the truck back they kept trying to yell to him he sounded like he was trying to say something back but they were like look we can't hear you you know please come out please come out we won't get hurt and um, at that point they were they reversed back and they they changed the angle of the truck and they were gonna try to take out the window the front window there tell him to back up from the window and uh, at that point they were driving forward to the window and that's when the whole place went up. Boo. I mean, just
3: absolutely. I mean, you saw the video. It was yeah, it was pretty terrible. So we we think the guy's dead. Is he dead? Have we decided if he's dead or not? We all right. We we don't know if the guy's dead, but a couple of police officers injured could have been a whole lot worse. You could actually feel the the concussion of the explosion in Washington D.C. So the working theory is that the guy turned on the gas. And then set off one of the flares, and then you know your crispy critter, deep fried. So there you go. Uh, apparently, the guy was also on the FBI watch list. Of course, aren't they always on the FBI watch list? Maybe just maybe, if the FBI would stop spying on Catholics and pro-lifers, maybe they could actually focus on the the bad guys that are out there. Nine zero one two six zero five nine two six. That's nine zero one two six zero five nine two six. The FBI Director, uh, Chris Ray, uh, testifying up on Capitol Hill. And and folks, uh, I know you're going to be alarmed by what you're about to hear, but um, you, all right, we'll play the audio and then I have a few thoughts. Cut 14.
1: So what I would say that is unique about the environment that we're in right now in my career is that while there may have been times over the years where individual threats could have been higher here or there than where they might be right now, I've never seen a time where all the threats or so many of the threats are all elevated all at exactly the same time. That's what makes this environment that we're in now so fraught and why funding our men and women who are working shoulder to shoulder with state and local law enforcement and other partners every day makes it even more important, not less.
3: So... Christopher Ray is now telling us we are living in a very dangerous time. The threat level is as high as it was on October 7th, and it may be even higher than that. So that's a, I'm glad they acknowledge that. But the question is, what are they doing about it? Because right now, when you look at what's happening at our southern border, and our good buddy Bill Malugan, who's one of the good guys over at Fox News, Bill's out there, been following the the border like a hawk, And he's reporting that thousands of military-aged young men are flooding across the border. And by the way, a good many of them are from China. In other words, they're up to no good. And when you talk about these terrorist cells, the, the issue here is not the big cities. We're not talking about the threat in New York City or Chicago or San Francisco. We're talking about the threat in smaller towns and cities places like Salem, Oregon, or Portland, Maine. Those are the areas that I suspect we are going to start seeing these terrorist attacks, primarily because those law enforcement agencies do not have the resources of the NYPD or the FDNY. That would be the Fire Department of New York. So anyway, very curious to hear your thoughts on this. 901-260-5926 is our number. That's 901-260-5926. We'll be right back. All right, folks, welcome back to the Todd Stearns Radio Show. 901 260 5926 is our telephone number. That's 901 260 5926. Coming up, we're going to be talking with Congressman uh, Babin about um, uh, Brian Babin, rather, from Texas. He was a part of that press conference earlier when they had all these Jewish kids talking about what it's like to be on their their campus. It's just absolutely insane. So we're going to be talking to him this hour of the program. Also, uh, John Davidson, who is a senior editor at The Federalist, is uh, going to drop by. Brand new article out, Democrats are afraid Trump will do to them what they have done to him. And I I just have a question for you about this. I'm curious to hear your thoughts because there are a lot of fears that Trump is going to seek vengeance on the people that tried to destroy him. Do you have a problem with that? Do you have a problem with President Trump exacting revenge on the people who who tried to destroy him and his family? The people that went into Mar-a-Lago and literally rummaged around in the former First Lady's underwear drawer. The government goons who went into Baron Trump's bedroom this teenage boy and rummaged around in this child's closet and his dresser drawers. You got a problem with President Trump extracting some revenge and exacting some revenge? But man are they terrified of this man. They are terrified. As a matter of fact, Liz Cheney uh, is making making headlines. Oh, she was she was having a lovely a lovely night on Rachel Madcow's show. Uh, over on MSDNC, where, or was that Chris Hayes? I always get those two confused. It was, all right, thank you, it's Maddow, my apologies. Um, So Liz Cheney was on uh, Rachel Maddow's show last night, and she was going off about how she's probably going to be running for the White House, and she's launching a third-party bid because she wants to stop Donald Trump. The woman could barely get 30 votes, and that's with a herd of cattle in there, in her congressional race, she has been disgraced. But that's how that's how lunatic these people are. So infested with Trump derangement syndrome that they're willing to you know waste money, squander money by trying to run against Donald Trump. It's over. Even Ron DeSantis understands that. So now Jeffrey Goldberg, the editor in chief of The Atlantic, may I just say one of the most horrific news publications in all of America. These people are evil monsters. Jeffrey Goldberg dedicated an entire edition of The Atlantic to the destruction of Donald Trump. You can't make this up. He says, we can't participate in the normalization of Donald Trump. He says, I refuse to participate in the normalization of Donald Trump. Goldberg, one of the few major newsroom leaders who has been exceptionally clear-eyed about the perilous storm on the horizon for American democracy. So they're literally throwing out whatever they, you know, if they even did have this idea of being fair and balanced, it's not there anymore. Goldberg and his team of writers at The Atlantic have not shied away from portraying Trump as a vandal of civilized society and an outright menace to the Constitution. Really? Really? a menace to the Constitution. Right now, Joe Biden's FBI is infiltrating Catholic churches around America. And you want to talk about a nuisance, a menace to the Constitution? Yesterday, The Atlantic published a special edition of its monthly magazine focusing on what a second term would look like. You know what it would look like, ladies and gentlemen? It would look like glory. It would look like morning has come to America. It would be like the sun rising over Biden's long, dark winter. That's what it would look like. The aptly titled If Trump Wins issue features two dozen articles laying out how the twice-impeached, four-time indicted candidate would shred norms, weaponize government. War? Can we just stop there? The government was weaponized by Barack Hussein Obama the man who unleashed the Internal Revenue Service on a good many conservatives back when he was in the White House. I was one of them. Goldberg says, I want people, people to be able to hand this issue to people who are still unser, unsure about the nature of Trump's authoritarianism. Do You understand, every single thing they accuse Trump of being or wanting to be is what the Democrats are literally doing right now. But nobody wants to talk about that. Mr. Goldberg says, I would prefer journalists to speak plainly about what they are seeing. And I believe that a second Trump term poses a threat to the existence of America as we know it. Well, let me say this. If Trump doesn't get in, we may not have an America as we know it. But I do appreciate The Atlantic finally coming out and acknowledging and admitting that they have extreme bias in this that they are not fair arbiters of the facts or the truth. But they literally believe that Donald Trump is Hitler reincarnated. In the meantime, you have Antifa slash pro-Hamas groups out there waving the Nazi flag as they're fighting with the Democrats. You've got Democrats on Capitol Hill like Rashida Tlaib and others who are clearly anti-Semite and they make no bones about it. No apologies whatsoever. 901-260-5926 is our telephone number. That's 901-260-5926. Wanna play some audio here. This is Senator Dick Durbin talking by the way, again, going back to what's what's coming across that border. Cut eight.
6: What troubles me about the debate now about the southern border is that it is one half of the immigration equation. Yes, we need order at the border. Yes, we need to have changes in the laws that reflect the reality of the overwhelming numbers from all over the world who are coming to our our shores and our border. But there is also an incredible demand for legal immigration into this country even now. The presiding officer, my colleague from the state of Illinois, has legislation which addresses one aspect of that. Her bill, and I hope I describe it accurately, says that if you are an undocumented person in this country... And you can pass the physical and the required test, background test, the like. You can serve in our military, and if you do it honorably, we will make you citizens of the United States. Do we need that? Do you know what the recruiting numbers are at the Army, in the Navy, in the Air Force? They can't reach their quotas each month. They can't find enough people to join our military forces. And there are those who are undocumented who want the chance to serve and risk their lives for this country. Should we give them the chance? I think we should.
3: So I'm curious to hear from you, moms and dads, grandmas, grandpas. I'm curious to know how many of you have heard from your, your kids or your grandkids, and they were going to go into the military, but once they started looking at what the military has become, they said, you know what, I'm going to take a pass. You know, a lot of these a lot of these kids are young men and they're red-blooded American boys and they don't want to have to bunk with a drag queen. They don't want to have to go through LGBTQ training just to be able to put on the uniform and, and serve this great nation. They don't want anything to do with that. And they see the wokeness. they see the critical race theory nonsense and they they have made a, an educated decision not to join the military. And so what's happened? Well, it's led to some of the lowest numbers of military personnel in the history of the country. And now you've got Dick Durbin over there saying, well, what we need to do is we just need to enlist all of the illegals coming across the border. Do you think that's a good idea, ladies and gentlemen? Do you believe that is a good idea? Now, Fox News is reporting that in just one week, 17,000, more than 17,000, Military-aged men crossing the border from around the world. So these aren't Mexicans wanting to come to America and work for Del Monte. These are people coming from Africa, the Middle East, and China. Fox News was on the ground in Lukeville, Arizona, and they've had to they've had to close that port of entry because of the surge in illegals. Box footage showing hundreds of military-age men, all single, camped out against the border wall waiting to be processed. Not a single woman, not a single child among the mix. Let's go to Bill in North Carolina, WSIC, our great affiliate there. Hi, Bill. What say you?
14: Uh, I say no, and I'm a 30-year Navy retiree, and I was a senior officer, and I retired. Not a good idea. Now, over on the Navy, this has been in the past. We've had this. Uh, look at the Filipinos, especially. We looked at what they did. But you had to serve 20 or 30 years to gain citizenship. I'm worried they'll make this one tour, and these people will be out, and we're going to have a mess.
3: Bill, what concerns you as a former military officer? What would concern you about bringing all these illegals into the military?
14: Uh, loyalties, for, for one thing. I mean, it, it's just not a good idea. We need to get you know, naturalized. Americans here, but they're not even naturalized. Now I understand it's a path to citizenship, but there needs to be a very severe timeline imposed on that to see who really wants to do this. I don't. I'm not comfortable with putting ammunition and guns in the hands of a lot of illegals. I'll tell you that,
3: Bill. What are you hearing from from people um, that you know? Maybe they've got kids. Kids were thinking about doing the military, and and they're not going now.
14: Oh no, uh they're not. I mean, the, the wokeness that has ruined it. I was in. Uh, I was a captain when we started doing the Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And I had to, I tell you, I had to swallow my pride because I was on the orders. And I had to brief the crew on the Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And it's way worse than that now. They're just not going in. They don't want to do it, the young people. And they haven't been schooled to be patriotic. I mean, for the last 30, 40 years, they just don't understand what it is really, I don't think, to be an American. They don't understand the sacrifices that have been made in the last 225 years to have this country.
3: And you know that's a fair point and you you do have to factor in what the kids have been taught in our in our schools and it looks like a lot of these kids have been taught to hate America or that America is not a country worth defending. All right, that's Bill Exactly right. Bill appreciate that call. We've got a skedaddle here. Again, our number folks 901 260 5926 901 260 5926. Do you think it's a good idea to put these illegals into the military, and then give them citizenship. We're going to be taking your calls about that. Also, the rise of anti-Semitism, also happening at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. Never thought I'd see that. Of course, they they had sex week, too, and I wish I hadn't seen that. Uh, 901-260-5926. This is the Todd Stern Show. I want to bring in a great friend. Her name is Kristen Hawkins, and she heads up an incredible organization called Students for Life. Kristen, great to have you with us today.
15: Thanks for having me, Todd. Good to see you again.
3: Well, it's good to see you as well. And I'm always curious uh, when talking with you. With the media, will have you believe that uh, pro-lifers are senior citizens, older people. But as you've illustrated with Students for Life, um, what is the what is the current mood? among younger americans when it comes to the issue of life
15: well we have seen for years now 18 years since we've launched students for life just an uprising of young people we call the pro-life generation across our country which vastly outnumber planned parenthood and pro-abortion students and student groups on college campuses i think since roe fell uh, we've certainly seen a lot of confused young people when it comes to uh, their viewpoints on abortion who weren't really sure what uh, Roe versus Wade even meant. Uh, so we're actually having more conversations than ever on college campuses online. We had more than a million uh, last school year alone.
3: Looking at, at some of the races, and th- this is the narrative that um, Republicans need to cool it on uh, the abortion issue, maybe it even needs to be removed from the party platform, that it is a losing issue for Republicans. Um, What say you? How do you respond to that?
15: Yeah, I mean, sadly, this is the same song and dance we've seen from the Republican establishment, you know, the Inside the Beltway consultants for decades, you know, even Before I even launched Students for Life, this was their messaging point, that abortion is a losing issue. And time and time again, we have proven it is not. In fact, you can look at the most recent 2022 midterms to see that those candidates that spoke unapologetically about their positions on abortion, uh, who did not allow Planned Parenthood, the abortion bully, to come in and railroad them on this issue, those were the first races uh, that we saw called and were victorious for Republicans. It was the it was those who were, you know, wishy washy on abortion or who were burying their head in the sand on abortion. Those are the Republicans who are lost. I don't know how many times we have to prove this, but it literally keeps repeating itself over and over again. Republicans ignore abortion at their own peril. You cannot ignore uh, the issue of abortion and hope that uh, your opponent's just going to stop talking about it. Uh, your opponent will sense weakness uh, and will attack. This is, you know, This is what I would tell my kids, right? You don't run from a bully, uh, the, especially if the bully is faster and has mil, you know hundreds of millions of dollars more than you. That's not going to work. Uh, and we know abortion is a winning issue, uh, especially with the base, especially with those who are volunteering, who who's you know spend their time uh, on the weekends volunteering. Anybody who has been involved in Republican Party politics knows it's social conservatives who bring out the most and active and dedicated loyal volunteers time and time again, this would be just catastrophic for Republicans if they were to drop being pro-life.
3: So, so Kristen, you are in the room with Ronna McDaniel. What do you tell her? How do you convince her that this is still a winning issue and this is the issue mm-hmm. for conservative voters?
4: I
15: think, you know, I, I put together an eight-page memo last summer. I presented it at the Republican uh, summer meeting with everything I've just said. This is not a losing issue. If you're a candidate, if any candidate can talk about this issue compassionately, talk about it the way, for example, Governor Ron DeSantis talks about abortion, using personal stories, um, this is this is going to pull on people's heartstrings. It's going to humanize you to, to show um, America and the voters in your district uh, that you've thought about this issue and that you think about and you care about both mother and mother. Uh, child I think it's very important when we talk about abortion we don't run away from the reality of what abortion is which is the violent killing of a weaker human being merely for in most cases a matter of convenience because mother or, and/or maybe father uh, don't want to be bothered uh, with accepting a biological consequence of their behavior um, and so I think we need to be very be very direct especially when you look at some ballot referendum language that we saw in Ohio that we were very concerned about Students for Life were those not talking about what abortion is. The other side sells freedom. Uh, they, they don't ever talk about abortion. They talk about freedom and make it sound like, you know, choosing to vote for a pro-abortion candidate or a pro-abortion ballot referendum ensures your freedom. Um, we're not going to win if we refuse to talk about what abortion really is, which is the violent ending of another human life. We have to be very direct about that and not just tied around other language like parental rights, which are important and certainly moves voters. Uh, but it's not going to win the moral high ground in the argument.
3: Well, and I'm glad to hear you say that about the Ohio, the Ohio vote, because you have to play smart politics as well. That doesn't make you a bad person, or that doesn't make you any lesser of a pro-life individual. This is politics as well, and you, you know, you've got to be thinking about that when you're crafting this legislation, and when you've got folks saying, this is not the time for this particular piece of legislation, that doesn't all of a sudden mean you're, you're the enemy here.
15: That, that is true. I think we need to be very careful though. I am a human rights activist. Uh, I am not a politician. I don't think the pro-life movement should be in the position of making, um, trying to make deals with the devil here and say, well, we'll accept uh, nine out of 10 abortions if the Republican Party will embrace a 15 four-month abortion limitation, which would put us to the left of France. Uh, Why why would we ever accept that? And what we know from uh, the case studies in Europe right now, uh, the pro-life movement is largely dead in Europe. Why? Uh, Because a False consensus was reached. Uh, they believe on abortion when they limit abortion the second, third trimester, uh, and so that's not really the position of the pro-life movement. Our position needs to be always emphatically clear that human life begins at the moment of conception. That is when you became you and you are intrinsically valuable from the moment of your conception throughout your whole entire life. And we can support political leaders who may have different opinions. Uh, we can advocate for legislation that doesn't restrict all abortions, that may restrict some abortion in our quest uh, to abolishing abortion, making it unthinkable and illegal uh, in all cases Um, But I think we need to be very careful as a movement not to come out uh, and be, you know, and championing things that we know aren't going to move the ball further down the court. I think at minimum, when we're talking about uh, messaging to uh, GOP leaders, those running for office, at minimum, those running for federal office should be able to say, yes, abortion is a federal issue. uh, And if elected to Washington, D.C., I'll do something about it. Like, I don't know. Go tell Planned Parenthood to fund themselves. Uh, they they make more than $700 million from us, the taxpayers, every year and the largest abortion vendor in our country. We need to make sure uh, we're not funding abortions in our military spending. Senator Tommy Toomerville has been standing alone on the Senate floor for months on this issue, while other GOP members of the Senate have actually come out against him. It's absolutely outrageous. And by the way, then they go back home and say they're pro-life. Um, I think we also need to be clear that you know if presented the opportunity, uh, we will advance or sign or vote for legislation to uh, prohibit abortions when the heartbeat can be detected, which I think should be a very easy starting point because all of them, all Americans agree that where there's a heartbeat there's a life that's a universal sign of life, and then move forward towards a life and conception act as well
3: all right, real quick here, uh, Kristen, before we let you go, if you are taking the temperature of the Republicans. Uh, In Congress right now, are are they rock solid behind you and other pro-lifers? Or are are you sensing a little bit of a squishiness?
4: Hmm.
15: We've definitely seen some squishiness since Roe. you know, immediately we saw Minority Leader McConnell announce that he wasn't going to introduce any pro-life legislation. We've seen much more, uh, I guess, rock-solid leadership in the House of Representatives. We introduced our own legislation this uh, fall that would prevent all chemical abortions, the leading cause of abortion in a country that not only kills babies, but is actually harming and killing mothers. And the FDA has turned a blind eye to all of it. Oh, and by the way, it's poisoning our water, clean water, Um, I think the biggest challenge we have is in the U.S. Senate, which is why 2024 is so critical. At Students Life Action, we're going to be mobilizing thousands of students, more than we've ever organized before, and volunteers, uh, not only for the presidential race, but also the Senate race. Because we need to make sure anyone who's running for office in Washington, D.C., knows they have a role to play when it comes to protecting the most vulnerable of our citizens and mothers.
3: All right. Well, Kristen, we appreciate you. Uh, we will leave it there. Good luck to you, and uh, good luck to the great uh, young people that are a part of Students for Life of, Thank you. of America. Appreciate Thank you. you. All right. Great and Merry Christmas. Right there. All right. Merry Christmas to you, too. All right. Uh, welcome back. Appreciate Kristen Hawkins stopping by. Let's go to Memphis, Tennessee. Jay is listening to us. On KWAM, the Mighty 990. Hi, Jay, what's on your mind? Hi, Todd.
16: Um, A short while ago, you were talking about the Atlantic Monthly and a hit piece against Donald Trump by, uh, I believe, uh, Jeffrey Goldberg. Uh, You know, these people uh, really are uh, the sons and daughters of uh, the chief propagandist of uh, the Nazi uh, government, uh, Joseph Goebbels. Uh, he, he once said that if you repeat a lie often enough, people will believe it, and you will even come to believe it yourself. Now, in addition to that, I just want to point out that when people talk about Donald Trump and Charlottesville, they always seem to admit the fact that he was against the, uh, the white nationalists who were violent. He said that there was uh, there were people on both sides who were fine people, et cetera, et cetera.
3: But, but Jay, no, and no, you no. Know,
16: when he you didn't say that. that
3: he, about it, Jay, he did not say that, though. That's what they want you to believe. But, he, but when you listen to the audio in its full context, he was not talking about the white nationalists out there. He was talking about the people who legitimately want to protect our, our history and our heritage.
16: Oh, well, those, right, those are the people, yeah, you're correct. Those are the people... Uh, who he said, you know, there was there there were good people on both sides of the issue of the statues, the Confederate statues, etc. Uh, but but it was twisted around. And you know, when when Obama comes out and says, well, that there was uh, plenty of blame to go around on both sides of the Hamas Israel uh, issue, it shows you that he gets a pass. He gets a pass no matter what he says. And no matter what Trump says, he doesn't get a pass. And this is all done by the media. The,
3: the entire Russia collusion, and and that's that's the reason that that I'm supporting this man is he's gotten a raw deal, and they've lied about him so much that you're right, the perception becomes the reality, Jay. And and we're just not going to let that happen on this radio program. And we're always quick to remind people, no, 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 this is this is what happened. Uh, and you know this idea that oh well Trump you know tr- Trump betrayed the country no he did not there was no evidence that he did they investigated it no evidence so there you go.
16: If you allow me one last point yeah real quick I'm gonna even I'm gonna even uh, come to the defense of Atlantic Monthly many years ago they had an article I think it was called Murder in Memphis or something like that it was about Section Eight housing and how Section Eight housing was destroying communities in Memphis. So if you ever get a a few minutes, if you could look that up, it's a very interesting article.
3: All right. Jay, appreciate that call. Thank you for listening, sir. Ben Dieter, I have a story for you. And I expect that you will be all over this tomorrow on KWAM on the morning show that you host. All right. Hit us, Todd. The Brooks Museum of Art, which is like the major museum here, uh, they're hosting a big dinner. I want to to run through the menu real quick here. That's not the big part of the story. But I want to run through the menu. You ready for this? Mm -hmm. It's a five-course meal, $85. A little pricey. And it's their last taste of fall tasting dinner. This is what's on the menu. See if any any of this stuff strikes your fancy. Pumpkin gnocchi. Mussels. Dry-aged halal duck. So it's Muslim duck, <laughs> something called lacto fermented fruit, oh, and veggies, and that's that's what you're going to get for eighty five bucks. Delightful. I'd rather go down to McDonald's <laughs> and try out the the dry the dry Big Mac and do the Burger King. But here's here's why this is newsworthy: several sauces, dishes, and ingredients featured prominently in Palestine will also be incorporated into the dinner. Mm. And the menu is entirely halal. In other words, it's for the, uh, the the Muslim people. And the museum will be donating a portion of their proceeds to organizations providing aid to Palestine. Mm. That's happening. So I did a brief scan here. They haven't had similar dinners for the, the people of Israel who were attacked by the people of uh, Hamas. They haven't done anything to raise money for those people, for the Jewish people. But they're holding a dinner that will be a Muslim-centric dinner to raise money for uh, the folks in Palestine. Wow.
8: Why don't those people just take a field trip to Gaza and take some of that wild duck? I hear they need the food to save all of that money. Go to Gaza and cook your duck, your mussels, and whatever you have for those people.
3: I'm sure some of those children would would be craving lacto-fermented kumquats. It's outrageous. But are you
8: shocked, Todd? Have you seen (laughs) this museum? So they're, they're renovating it, as you know. And we've discussed. These are the really wild art people. That you can't even make out what the art is.
3: It looks like somebody vomited on on a on canvas. A canvas. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
8: It's terrible. And what? And you've described the new museum they're building. Again, we're talking about the same Brooks Museum. It looks like something from the Soviet
3: Union, North Korea. Yeah. It does. It's very dystopian, very very stark. That that whole '70s Soviet Union vibe. That's what they're building the new museum to look like. Mm. You know, I like your idea, a field trip to Gaza City. I hear they have a lot of open-air housing these days. And I'm sure they would welcome with open arms the LGBT community. Oh, for sure. I'm sure they would. And we
8: take them some barbecue as well. Do they eat barbecue? I don't know. But this is a big barbecue. This is like the barbecue capital of the world, Todd. We could just send some over there.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure they would appreciate pork. That I don't think that's a halal meal. <laughs> I really don't. Um, so there you go, ladies and gentlemen. The Memphis Brooks Museum of Art is hosting a big fundraising dinner for quote Palestine end quote. And and I'm sure, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, you would love to give these folks a um, a piece of your mind. Maybe you could maybe you could let them know uh, what you think about an American museum on American soil. Raising money for the pro Hamas sympathizers. By the way, the telephone number, if you, I just happen to have this handy, Ben Dieter. It's amazing how that works. 901 544 6200. That's 901 544 6200. You know, these people send me these notes asking for donations, and I'm with you. It's, it is a radical leftist museum. I, I would say. That museum is more liberal than some of the ones I've seen in New York City. And that's saying a lot. So there you have it. The Memphis Brooks Museum of Art. They have chosen sides in the Palestinian conflict there and the war. Again, their telephone number, 901-544-6200. Tell them Todd Stard said to say howdy. That's 901-544-6200. All right, folks, uh, coming up, we're going to be talking to a great writer from The Federalist, John Davidson, senior editor there. Also, some brand new Trump polling coming out. We're going to share that info with you as well. This is The Todd Stern Show.
2: the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's Common Sense Conservative Commentary from Todd Starr.
3: That's us,
4: that's right,
3: I love this American ride. Well, hello everybody. Welcome to Hour 3 of The Big Show. Good to have you with us today. Welcome to all of our Newsmax viewers watching us on Newsmax 2. Happy to have you folks along for the ride today as well. Our telephone number is 901-260-5926. That's 901-260-5926. You will need that if you plan on calling into the program this hour of the show. So look, I am never one to say I told you so, but, well, actually I am. I told you so. I, I, I told you so. So back in 2019, I wrote a book called Culture Jihad, How to Stop the Left from Killing a Nation. It was a controversial book because a lot of people did not believe that what I prophesied in the book, that's really not a biblical prophecy, more of a political prophecy, but I prophesied in the book that some very bad things were about to happen in this country unless good and decent people rose up and put a stop to it. And we talked about a lot of the issues at the time people weren't talking about, but now they are the issues of the day. The Issues Du Jour, talking about things like the pronoun crowd and critical race theory and this movement to marginalize people of faith and went in and did a deep dive into all of this in the book, Culture Jihad, How to Stop the Left from Killing a Nation. And at the time, a lot of people poo-pooed my book. They did. A lot of people in the conservative movement poo-pooed my book. They said, oh, Starns." You're just blowing smoke. There's no way any of this stuff can happen. We know things are bad, but they're not going to get that bad. Harumph, harum, harumph. All right, well, that, all right. I, I laid out the evidence, and I said, this is where we are, and this is where we are going. It really is that simple. So one of the things I suggested, and this really enraged a group of people that I call the woke evangelicals. You may be wondering, what is a woke evangelical? A woke evangelical is a squishy evangelical minister. And, and I think the problem is that early on, many of these guys who are full-blown pastors now, back in the early 2000s, they were youth pastors, and they wore skinny jeans, and it cut off their blood flow to specific parts of their body. And it really did impact the way they think. And so now we have a bunch of woke, woke preachers in our pulpits. And it's causing big problems in in churches, especially evangelical churches around the nation. So one of the things that I suggested was going to happen is that we were moving to a day when the Holy Bible would be outlawed, that the Holy Bible, God's word, would no longer be allowed to be read in public. And, of course, the woke evangelicals went nuts. Oh, you're just... You're just crying. You're just crying in the wilderness, Starnes. Stop scaring people. You're just a. And I don't know why these woke evangelicals have the lisp, but they do. Not. I no. I'm not. No. I'm. I'm. I'm not saying the lisp is bad. I'm just saying that who would have thought genetically that all of the woke evangelical preachers would have a lisp, and also a full beard, and normally wearing flannel. So anyway. Um, There is a piece up on Faith Wire, and this was, the book came out in 2019, and here is the headline, Young Brits Open to Banning the Bible Unless the Offended Parts Can Be Edited Out. I told you so, ladies and gentlemen. Close to a quarter of young British people said in a survey they would be open to banning the Bible if they believed its pages contained hate speech. Whitestone Insights, a polling group, by the way, Trey Goines-Phillips, the author. Whitestone Insights surveyed over 2,000 adults in the UK, asking them if they agreed with the following statement. Unless the offending parts can be edited out, books containing what some perceive as hate speech should be banned from general sale, including, if necessary, religious texts such as the Bible. 23% Uh, British people, ages 18 to 34, were most likely to agree with that statement, followed by 17% ages 35 to 54, and 13% over the age of 55. In other words, a lot of people in the U.K. believe it's okay to ban the Bible if somebody finds it offensive. Now, this is a big deal because it comes after a Finnish politician emerged victorious after a very long legal battle after she shared on Twitter The Bible's views on sexuality and God's design for marriage. Oh, that's a no-no. The Finnish lawmaker told CBN News she was grateful and relieved after having been acquitted of hate speech charges. Again, I wrote in the book, get ready because people could be charged with hate crimes simply for uttering a passage of Scripture from the Bible. And sure enough, it happened. Lois McClatchy of the Alliance Defending Freedom UK voiced her concerns over the new survey and pointed to it as a cautionary tale. We may no longer be a majority Christian population here in Britain. That's even more reason to protect freedom of speech and belief for all. So my question, ladies and gentlemen, is very simple. Do you believe that could happen here in America? And we've already seen school districts that have banned the Bible But do you think that we could see a full-on ban of the Holy Bible because of the Bible's teachings on issues that might offend the alphabet activist? Our telephone number is 901-260-5926. That's 901-260-5926. We're going to be taking your calls on that. Also, on Capitol Hill, another disturbing story. Elise Stefanik is going at it right now with university presidents, Harvard, MIT, and University of Pennsylvania. The university presidents are testifying, and they're being called out for allowing the Jew haters to infiltrate their campuses. Now, this is a long soundbite, but I want you to hear this and good on the Republicans for calling out these anti-Semites.
17: Dr. Gay, a Harvard student calling for the mass murder of African Americans is not protected free speech at Harvard, correct? (laughs) Our commitment to free speech. It's a yes or no question. Is that corrected? Is that okay for students to call for the mass murder of African Americans at Harvard? Is that protected free speech?
11: Our commitment
17: to free speech It's a yes or no question. Let me ask you this. You are president of Harvard, so I assume you're familiar with the term intifada, correct?
11: I've heard that term, Yes.
17: And you understand that the use of the term intifada in the context of the Israeli-Arab conflict is indeed a call for violent armed resistance against the state of Israel, including violence against civilians and the genocide of Jews. Are you aware of that? That type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. And there have been multiple marches at Harvard with students chanting, quote, there is only one solution, intifada revolution, and, quote, globalize the intifada. Is that correct?
11: I've heard that thoughtless, reckless, and hateful language on our campus. Yes.
17: So based upon your testimony, you understand that this call for intifada is to commit genocide against the Jewish people in Israel and globally, correct? I will say again, that type of hateful speech is
11: personally abhorrent to me.
17: Do you believe that type of hateful speech is contrary to Harvard's code of conduct, or is it allowed at Harvard?
11: It is at odds with the values of Harvard.
17: Can you not say here that it is against the code of conduct at Harvard?
11: We embrace a commitment to free expression, even of views that are objectionable, offensive, hateful. It's when that speech crosses into conduct that violates our policies against bullying, harassment.
17: Does that speech and not cross that barrier? Does that speech not call for the genocide of Jews and the elimination of Israel? When You that testify that you understand that is the def- definition of intifada. Is that speech according to the code of conduct or not?
11: We embrace a commitment to free expression and give a wide berth to free expression Even of views that are objectionable.
17: You and I both know that's not the case. You were aware that Harvard ranked dead last when it came to free speech. Are you not aware of that report? As I
11: observed
17: earlier, I
11: reject that characterization. It's
17: the of data our shows it's true. And isn't it true that Harvard previously rescinded multiple offers of admissions for applicants and accepted freshmen for sharing offensive memes, uh, racist statements, sometimes as young as 16 years old? Did Harvard not rescind those offers of admission?
11: That long predates my time as president. But you, so you understand
17: that it. Harvard made that decision to rescind those offers of admission.
11: I have no reason to contradict the facts as you present them.
17: Correct, because it's a fact. You're also aware that a Winthrop House faculty dean was let go over over who he chose to legally represent. Correct? That was while you were dean.
11: That is an incorrect characterization of what transpired. What's the
17: characterization? I'm not going to get into details about a personnel matter. Well, let me ask you this. Will admissions offers be rescinded or any disciplinary action be taken against students or applicants who say, from the river to the sea or intifada, advocating for the murder of Jews?
11: As I've said, that type of hateful, reckless, offensive speech is personally
17: abhorrent to me. Are you today that When's- no action will be taken? What
11: action will be taken? When speech crosses into conduct that violates our policies, including policies against bullying, harassment, or intimidation, we take action, and we have robust disciplinary processes that allow us to hold individuals accountable. What
17: action has been taken against students who are harassing and calling for the genocide of Jews on Harvard's campus?
11: I can assure you we have robust
17: What
7: disciplinary actions processes have been taken?
17: I'm not asking actions underway. I'm asking what actions have been taken against given, those students
11: given students rights to privacy and our obligations under FERPA. I will not say more about any specific cases other than to reiterate that processes are ongoing. Do you know what the number
17: one hate crime in America is?
11: I know that over the last couple of months, there has been an alarming rise of anti-Semitism, which I understand
17: is the critical topic that we are here to discuss. That's correct. It is anti-Jewish hate crimes. And Harvard ranks the lowest when it comes to protecting Jewish students. This is why I've called for your resignation. And your testimony today, not being able to answer with moral clarity, speaks volumes. I yield
3: back. Well, it certainly does, and good for you, Congresswoman Stefanik, for calling her out on that. That is the president of Harvard University, ladies and gentlemen, someone who could not find the moral clarity or the moral wherewithal to condemn anti-Semitism. Unbelievable. That's what we're dealing with in America. And as bad as they are against Jews, they're even worse against Christians. And nobody's going to cover that. Literally, nobody will cover the anti-Christian uh, sentiment on these university campuses but it is there and it is just as bad if not worse than what jewish students are having to go through all right we've got to take a break here folks 9012605926 is our number that's 9012605926 we'll be right back all right welcome back everybody good to have you with us let's go to the phone lines we'll start in las vegas pete joins us hi pete what's on your mind today
14: how you doing todd
3: i'm good thank Uh, you for asking
14: i I was listening to your conversation about the the president of harvard and i was watching that uh interview and uh i think that lady's a little bit whacked she she needs to get her morals in the right place uh asked the question if she uh, allowed thought genocide was okay to the African-Americans. She couldn't answer, but it's okay for it to be okay for against the Jews. And, and it just doesn't make any sense. If, if Harvard's uh, policies and procedures allow that, they need to change it. They need to take some serious looks. Their board needs to sit down and say, hey, this is crazy.
3: Pete, I, I I will reiterate this. I said it in the first hour of the show today. We have got to take action on a federal level here. Uh, any school that will not renounce and deal with anti-Semitism, and, and by the way, anti-Christianism on their campus, we've got to defund every single one of those universities, not a federal tax dollar. If they're not going to do that, they don't deserve any of our money.
14: I'm with you on that 100%.
3: All right, Pete, appreciate that call. Thank you for listening, sir. Great, great comments. Let's go to Debbie in South Carolina. Hi, Debbie, what's on your mind?
18: Hi, Todd, how are you doing?
3: I'm well, thank you for asking, Debbie. i
18: talked to you once before. We talked about uh, going to Texas anyway with the guns, remember, the women? I do remember that, yes. I've got one thing to say, and that's about what Liz Cheney has been running her mouth about. Her daddy ought to kick her butt. He's supposed to be a good Republican, and so is she. And she's talking about uh, putting Trump down. I saw it today. And, I, you know, what in the world is wrong with some of these Republicans? That's wrong. Yeah. I, what Biden's doing to this country. It's Somebody true. ought to kick his butt. And I don't know how he's still in, in the White House. I don't understand why he had not already been kicked out. They've already been proven he's nothing but a thief, and his whole family is.
3: Not gonna disagree there. By the way, Debbie, did you see the picture in the White House? Uh he and the missus I'm pardon me, Dr. Mrs. First Lady. Uh they were putting the uh, Christmas tree together. They had the guy up on a step stool. And I'm wondering, are they trying to get him to fall are they trying to get him to break a hip? I haven't seen that. It's it's, I'm sorry. it's, it's kind of you gotta look at the video you gotta look at the photograph because you will. you will do a double take. Of, uh, Debbie, appreciate that call debbie you will do a double take. everybody will do a double take because you're like wait wait a second the guy can barely climb a set of stairs why are they letting him up on a stair step like that it's unbelievable so anyway what did she say that she needs a swift kick in the um in the culottes uh, talking about liz cheney good for you debbie uh let's go to tim in missouri tim what's your question yeah todd uh, how are you doing today i'm good thank you for asking tim Oh, I just wanted to ask
13: you if you or anybody you know has considered the possibility that Barack Hussein Obama might be an Iranian mole.
3: Oh, well, now now this is interesting that you would bring this up. Uh, We know that Valerie Jarrett, of course, has the, the family ties to Iran, and she played a very important role in the administration they're, they're scuttlebutt that she's still playing a role. Uh, you've got the the deal where, what was it, Obama sent $400 million in cash to, to Iran. Um, and also, Obama released a lot of Iranian prisoners during his time in office. Tim, I would say where there is smoke, sometimes there is fire. Do I know beyond a shadow of a doubt? I do not. But um, it certainly is suspicious, isn't it?
13: It absolutely is, and, you know, if you check out the timeline when the Ayatollahs took over in 79 and, you know, go on up there to when uh, Hussein Obama got into Chicago politics, you know, it all would all match up, I'll bet you. Tim, I think
3: the, the young people have a word for this. It's all sus. All right, got to leave it there. 901-260-5926. What? My stamp is... They're shaking their heads at me. What's going on here? 901-260-5926. Hang tight, everybody. We're going to your calls. We also have a great guest coming up from The Federalist. This is the Todd Stern Show. <music> Dang it. Dylan, I, I'm going to need your help here. You know, for some reason, you know how when you do the text messaging and you write out your note, apparently I, I've i activated something that will actually write down what I'm saying. So I just sent someone a text message of the last 25 minutes of the program.
6: You just use the word sus, Todd. How are you going backwards?
3: I know. That's one step forward, two steps back. <laughs> I'm trying to be cool and hip. Anyway. <laughs> So my apologies to whoever just got that text message. That's terrible. All right, welcome back to the Todd Starnes Radio Show. Welcome to all of our Newsmax viewers as well. Trust you're doing well. Uh, Folks, coming up a little bit later on, we're going to be talking to our good friend, Congressman Jim Jordan. Uh, He will be here to uh, weigh in on these attacks uh, on the Catholics um, at the hands of the FBI. Uh, There has been a lot of conversation lately about whether or not Donald Trump is going to usher in a modern-day version of Nazi Germany. And uh, some of this rhetoric is just off the charts insane. I, I want to go to the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line. We're honored to have a, um, a great writer with us. He has written a, a pretty rock-solid piece for The Federalist. His name is John Daniel Davidson, and uh, the, the title of the story, Dems Are Afraid Trump Will Do to Them What They've Done to Him. John, good to have you with us today.
0: Hey, thanks for having me.
3: So, I, I want to get your reaction, especially to CNN. I know you're right about this in, in the essay. Uh, Jake Tapper completely losing his mind over this story in the well, really the the whole magazine, The Atlantic, talking about how dangerous a, a, a Trump term in office would be.
0: Yeah, it's it's CNN. It's The Atlantic. It's the New York Times. It's the Washington Post. There must have been a memo that went out to all you know liberal corporate media to repeat this talking point and push this narrative that a second Trump term would be the end of the Republic and usher in a fascist dictatorship. It should be laughed out of the room. Uh, but, but unfortunately these are the same people that were willing to do and say anything to undermine Trump's presidency the first time around. Uh, and they're desperate to stop him from gaining office a second time. So they're out there uh, painting this sort of like, dystopic scenario and scaremongering about what Trump would do if he got back into the Oval Office. And the irony is that what they're describing is exactly what Biden and the Democrats are doing to Trump right now.
3: You know, I as I was reading your piece last night, that's that's what kept coming to mind, and, and especially the role of the FBI in all of this, where they've been going yeah. after the moms and dads and the school boards, knocking down the doors, the front doors of the pro-lifers. Uh, this is just insanity.
0: Well, they've gone after Americans, uh, and they've also gone after Trump and Trump's associates, lawyers. Talk about weaponizing the Department of Justice to go after political enemies. I couldn't believe a triple byline piece in the New York Times yesterday actually talked about fears that Trump would weaponize the Department of Justice. I don't know that we've ever seen a Department of Justice more politicized and more weaponized than we have under the Biden administration and Attorney General Merrick Garland. You mentioned earlier going after Catholics. Uh, they go after anybody who dissents from their regime narrative on everything from critical race theory to transgender ideology to abortion, uh, and just to you know, free speech and saying what you want online or in a peaceful protest uh, this is insane that it's happening, but it's even more insane that the media won't breathe a word about it and instead pretend that all the trouble and all of the danger uh, might come from from Trump winning office again.
3: No, you're right about that, and of course we have been uh, standing in solidarity with our fellow Jewish countrymen on this program, but as an evangelical believer, uh, one of the things they have not been covering are the attacks on evangelicals in this country going all the way back to to Barack Obama's time in office, and those have been and and continue to be beyond heinous. So, you know, this is an ugly, ugly thing that's happening in our country. And, John, I want to go back to something you wrote about Liz Cheney here. What happened to her? Because she used to be a pretty rock-solid conservative.
0: Well, uh, I don't know that I would agree with that. She used, She's certainly been a rock-solid neoconservative for a long fair time. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. A champion of foreign wars and, and misadventures all over the world. Uh, but, yes, she has been a Republican for many years. And, really, she represented, I think, and represents still, even though she's not in office, the sort of establishment wing of the GOP that constitutes part of the permanent regime in washington and this is really gets to the heart of the matter because it was this permanent regime in washington democrats and republicans uh, that thought the worst thing that that trump ever did was win the 2016 election he wasn't supposed to win because people like him and his voters aren't supposed to be the people who have power in the united states people like liz cheney and adam schiff Uh, and Jake Tapper and Jeffrey Goldberg of The Atlantic uh, and Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, all of those people who represent establishment Washington power, those are the people who think they deserve to be in charge and that they have a right to be in charge. And so when Trump won, they thought this can never happen again and we'll do anything and we'll say anything to prevent it from happening. And so that's why you see, you know, Uh, supposedly Republican office holders or former office holders like Liz Cheney saying the most outlandish things about Donald Trump.
3: Do you where do you see all of this heading and do you think these kinds of stories are going to have any impact on the voters?
0: Well, I don't think they're going to have any impact on uh, on Trump supporters. Uh, and on people who kind of see the permanent regime in Washington for what it is. This is one of those things like the Russia collusion hoax that the corporate media and Democrats perpetrated for years. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you see the corruption and see the lies, you see that everything they say is a lie. And, and so I, I don't think that uh, for Americans who see it, uh, that, that this kind of fear mongering is going to work. But what I do think is dangerous is what I mentioned in the piece. My editor and colleague, Molly Hemingway, said that this genre of media narrative about how bad things will be if Trump wins can fairly be called assassination prep. Because if you really think that a fascist dictatorship is coming with a second Trump term, if you really think he's, he's going to plunge us into autocracy and tyranny, then what, you know, wouldn't you be willing to do anything to stop that? Uh, and so this this kind of extreme rhetoric plays to the extreme fringe of the, of the political left in America. It's very reckless, and it's very dangerous, and the people who are peddling it right now would never tolerate the same kind of rhetoric coming from the right. I can guarantee you that.
3: Well, you're absolutely right. And again, this is why people have legitimate concerns and questions about what actually happened on January the 6th, for example, because the narrative That's is right. just, it's not adding up. And that is a very dangerous place for us to be as a nation, when you cannot trust the fourth estate.
0: No, and and we haven't been able to trust the fourth estate for a long time now. Uh, When you look at something, uh, not just the the Russia collusion hoax, which Jake Tapper of CNN was one of the foremost proponents of, um, but when you look at the Hunter Biden laptop story out of the 2020 election and the, the unified corporate media consensus to quash that story, a story that we know would have swayed many people's votes, perhaps enough to sway the election. Uh, These are people who don't care about the truth. They're willing to use words as weapons and deploy lies and deceit on their very large platforms. And this is this is also, by the way, I don't mention this in the piece, but this is one of the reasons we see the same establishment regime going after Elon Musk and Twitter, because that's a major platform that they no longer control. And they're afraid that without controlling those platforms they won't be able to do what they did in 2020.
3: That is is a great point. Uh, John, we're going to have to leave it there. Before I let you go, you've got a big book coming out. Uh, You and I are both going to have dueling books coming out in March. Uh, (laughs) I want you to give your book a plug.
0: Hey, thanks. Yeah, the book is called Pagan America, The Decline of Christianity and the Dark Age to Come. comes out at the end of March, and uh, I'm sure there's room for both of our books out there, but it's essentially about what happens when America becomes post-Christian. And uh, the, the, the short version is uh, it's not good. We don't become a secular liberal utopia. We descend into a neo-pagan state of slavery.
3: Uh, that's going to be a powerful book. We're going to get you back on, and we'll talk about the book when it comes out. Congratulations. And folks, we've got a direct link to uh, John's uh, great essay over at The Federalist on our live show blog. Uh, John Daniel Davidson, uh, we'd love to have you back sometime.
0: Hey, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having all me. All right.
3: Good guy right there, folks. Senior editor at The Federalist. And um, that book, Pagan America, The Decline of Christianity in the Dark Age to Come, that'll be coming out in March of 2024. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will be going right to the phones. And I'm just curious, all of this talk about Trump ushering in uh, this some sort of uh, Nazi regime, is this is this impacting people in your community, are people buying into this garbage, Nine zero one two six zero five nine two six. This is the Todd Starnes Show. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is the Todd Starns Radio Show. Welcome to all of our Newsmax viewers as we simulcast on the Newsmax 2 platform. What a great day we've had here. A lot going on. By the way, coming up, uh, at the top of the hour, we're going to be joined by Congressman Jim Jordan, who's going to give us a lowdown on what the FBI has been doing behind the scenes with the Catholics. But right now, I want to go to our phone lines as promised. Let's start in North Carolina, WSIC, our great affiliate there. Charles, you're on the air. What's going on?
13: Hey, Todd. Uh, Todd, in response to what you just said about Donald Trump and fascism and everything, uh, I've been using this uh, time as an opportunity to try to educate people just on what democracy is and authoritarianism uh, is. And I'm getting so many, I, I'm convincing so many people that that have questioned Donald Trump in the past. I've con- convinced them that it's not Donald Trump that's the authoritarian fascist, but is Joe Biden the Democratic Party? And the the conversation always starts when I ask people to define democracy, and yeah, you you get a a variety of opinions. I'm just amazed at the number of people that have such a lack of knowledge of civics that they just cannot, uh, you know, define democracy. And so, when I when I try to educate people that democracy is a process and not an outcome, they go, "Well, what do you mean?" I say, "Well, you know, if you have Donald Trump and Joe Biden." competing for your vote each one of them puts out their position and we take a vote and that we choose we choose our own leader what the democrats are saying is that if you don't choose us as your outcome therefore democracy dies and because democracy is sacred to us we're willing to resort to any type of means and measures no matter if we have to restrict your constitutional rights, your liberties, no matter what we have to do to stay in power, to protect democracy, that's what we will do.
3: Well, and and Charles, the the education process, though, and that's the issue, is that they're not teaching our kids about American democracy in the classroom. Uh, They're not teaching our kids civics in the classroom. And what they are doing is teaching our kids to hate America they want um, they want these young american kids to think that there's something wrong with the country that our founding documents are tainted because uh, of slavery and it goes on and on and on which is why we have the poison fruit of that marching in the streets of american cities right now that's why you have antifa you have black lives matter you've got the uh, the pro hamas crowd these are all products of a public education system that's teaching the kids to to hate america but I, but i'm with you uh, if, if we do not fix what is broken in our public education system, then the country simply cannot be saved. I believe we can do that, but it's going to take some work. Charles, appreciate that call. God bless you. Let's go to New York. Barbara wants to weigh in on the Biden crime syndicate. Hey, Barbara, what's on your mind?
18: Hi, Todd. Thank you so much for taking my call. I guess what I am questioning is the fact that we are putting so much attention on who I classify as basically a presidential front for the real person who is behind everything that is going on and the orchestrator of everything, and I feel that it is Obama and the Obama family. And I was wondering why Um, so much attention Well, I can understand why so much attention is called on this corruption. But I also wonder why nothing has been really um, exposed about the -the uh, um, behind-the-scenes Obama family as well, because I feel that they are escalating and they
16: are the culprit of what's going on.
3: Yeah, look, I think you got it right there. It is the O'Biden administration, Um, no doubt about it. Uh, Barack Obama pulling the strings behind the scene. Um, Susan Rice is involved in there. I think Valerie Jarrett is probably plugging away somewhere there, too. Uh, and we know for a fact that th- that he has been meeting with members of the progressive wing of the party, uh, the AOCs and Rashida Tlaib. So, yeah, Barbara, there's something nefarious going on there. And, and let's get real. I mean, President Biden, and it's no fault of his own, but the guy, his uh, brain has turned to mush. And it's a, it's a part of old age. We will all end up going down that path one day. But the reality is, here is a man that can be easily controlled. And I believe that Barack Obama is behind the scenes pulling those puppet strings.
18: Absolutely. And I will tell you something else. I, um, By profession, I am a speech pathologist. And when I see, first of all, I think that before Jake Tapper does any um, analysis on uh, the fact that the non-fact that he's a stutterer, Biden is not a stutterer. Biden does have clinical and neurological communication disorder. I could label them, but I don't want to bore everybody with what they are. But there is no question that clinically he is dealing with a neurological communication disorder and i believe well, we, uh,
3: barbara when you go back and go back just you know 10 years ago um he he was talking just as normally as you and i would be talking right now so so i i hear exactly what you're saying i i've got a skedaddle barbara i appreciate that call and you give us a holler back uh let's go to suzanne in tennessee trying to work in one more call hi suzanne what's going on
19: All right. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the military's involvement with flying uh, these uh, military-aged men into the interior of our country. I listen and follow Michael Yon. I also listen and follow Monkey on SITREP, and it's been uh, revealed that just in the month of November, just this november over 320 flights uh hosted by our military has flown uh military-aged men into the interior of the country and strategically plants them all over the country
3: and why do you think they why do you think they're doing that suzanne we've got about 15 seconds here why do you think they're doing that
19: Well, I firmly do believe that they're there to uh, attack us. And it's not really surprising, considering through a FOIA request, not one member of this administration right on down through Homeland Security has taken the oath to uh, protect and defend this country.
3: All right. Well, Suzanne, we're going to have to leave it there. I will say this. The reporting is about 17,000 military-aged illegal immigrants have crossed the border in the first week of December. So I I would tend to believe those flight numbers, uh, and it's only going to get worse. And I think every single law-abiding citizen needs to be asking their representatives in Washington, why is it, why is it that we're allowing all of these military-aged young men from places like North Africa and the Middle East and China to cross our border? All right, we got to leave it there, folks. Hey, the big TV show coming up next. Jim Jordan, our special guest. Head over to ToddStearns.com. And be sure to check out all the great stories we have for you there. You be good, America. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the
0: Pentagon
2: Intelligence Agency. Knew all the government's